Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. And uh, we got a lot of news today. And there's so many things happening. We don't know where the heck we start, Rita. Well, there's a showdown, first of all, in Texas. Uh, and we're going to be talking with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from a, Texas. A sh- real showdown. Uh, we, we got uh, Governor uh, Abbott wants to uh, come out with uh, the National Guard to protect uh, the constituents. And, Gov- and President Biden says... If you come out with the National Guard, guess what? We're gonna we're gonna nationalize them, and I'm gonna be commanding the National Guard. This is amazing. Who would ever say I want to protect our borders? And the federal government is saying, no, you can't protect the American in, public. In the studio, we have uh, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, New York State Chairman Ed Cox, and Governor Governor Ed, David Patterson. And I understand you got a new gig. Yeah, wait a minute. We have a here it is. Are you available for weddings and bar mitzvahs? <laughs> and, yeah. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, and uh, good, and good. anything else that anyone wants to hold. <laughs> it sounded like a good song for the border. I was going to say, gonna protect our border. Yeah. <laughs> passion to protect our border group. Yeah, yeah, that was the theme uh, song. That could be the theme song for J- Governor Abbott. That was John Lee Hooker, the, the jazz singer. You were great. And, and by the way, it was the room H- there in Albany. What did you say? Uh-oh. John Lee Hooker. Oh. John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker. I mean, there's so much news today. And we have some people that are going to come on. Miranda Devine wrote a story in the New York Post. And what did they say, guys? Oh, they said how woke the FBI at the leadership level has become. That and means the, this, what, what is it, the seventh floor at the... Uh, at the uh, good old uh, FBI, right? And there's and by the way, and we're going to have... the Department of Justice, maybe? And DOJ. And we're going to have, by uh, the way, a former FBI agent, one of the senior supervisory agents is going to join us. Also, Trump was in court today. And there's a lot of stuff on the legal front, a lot of stuff with good old D.A. Fannie Willis. And we're going to be talking about that with Greg Jarrett. Peter Navarro, uh, Trump aide, was given four months in prison and Hunter Biden is walking free. Contempt of Congress. There's a lot of questions. Um, Ed Cox, also you Protest. have been in the middle of it all. Tell Protest. us about it. Uh, there was a memorial for for Kissinger at the Manuel uh, uh, Temple here. And I got to tell you, the protesters made me feel like it was right out of the 70s again. They were just as mean, but much fewer. But they were talking about Israel defending itself against against terrorists. And you put out a statement about American University, too, because the it seems like is, they haven't The rot cleaned is up. growing at Harvard. It started when I was there 50 years ago with the crits, we call them, <laughs> critical <laughs> race theory. And now it's gotten to be an academy-wide uh, uh, thing. It's going on at Cornell. We it's going sh- on at American University. It's going on at Penn. It's going on at MIT. It's going City University of New York. It's all across the country. You know who you left uh, out, Judge? Uh, NYU. Did you NYU. see this uh, video? I didn't see NYU. Oh, oh, my goodness. Reed is right. 
the video of this guy. He's an adjunct professor, John, at NYU, and he's on video talking about how there was no beheading. There were no rapes on October 7th. You know that that's not true. I'm thinking this is who's who teaching is teaching our young people. He is a pro-Palestinian activist, 48-year-old Amin Hussein, and he's on video talking about it. And the, and the school's doing nothing to discipline him? It's I, disgusting. I've got to tell you, that's what Elise Stefanik raised in the hearings, and the president of Harvard got fired. And, and, and she was of, great. Rita, yeah. one of our friends upstairs at uh, uh, our office before comes up to me and says, my, my best girlfriend says to me, oh, there is no crime anymore in the, in the city of New York. I, she said, and she said, uh, Rita says to her, well, don't you, don't, you go into CVS. I didn't mention the last name. Yeah. You go into CVS and you see everything locked up. So he, he can't says, steal. That's he can't so steal. Funny. And the CVS was just hit. It's in all the papers. And CVS, not only was it hit, it's the third time the same CVS on the Upper West Side was hit. But you know what it but just there's shows? No going it around. shows the mindset, you guys, of like, how could there be robbery? Everything's locked up. I mean, that, except like, the criminals. Right, That's exactly, the problem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, we have with us now a uh, Texas Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne uh, calling in. Congresswoman, we have been talking about this standoff that's going on between Texas and the Biden administration. Uh, take it from here. Tell us what's going on. Well, I mean, look, you've got Texas that's trying to stand up for itself. And, you know, they have they're they're facing a fighting a federal government that is not only enforcing its own laws, but is trying to sue Texas so that it can't present can't prevent um, illegal more illegal immigrants from coming through. And keep in mind how much Texas has already had to spend on this because the federal government isn't doing its job and it's completely battering its policies. They spent five billion dollars on Operation Lone Star last year. They're getting ready to spend another $6.43 billion this year. 40% of the people who have entered our country illegally, that's 10 million people in the last three years, have entered into Texas. 60% of the gotaways have entered into Texas. And then you think about the deaths that we are facing from fentanyl. We've got five Texans per day that are dying as a result of fentanyl deaths. And then you've got an administration who, instead of respecting and protecting our, 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 our border, is actually fighting Texas that's trying to do that. Yeah, it is amazing, uh, Congresswoman, that the Biden administration is not talking about securing the border. They're fighting Texas. They even gave a deadline of tomorrow. What's going to happen? Well, you know, I mean, look, I, I am supporting Governor Abbott. I hope that he holds his ground and he recognizes, and I know he does, the damage that is being done on a daily basis. You know, you see these mayors from Chicago, from from New York, who are complaining about having a few thousand illegal immigrants. We have literally had hundreds of thousands per month that are pouring into our state. So, KT, and the governor, you know, is is fighting back, and I appreciate that. And he's getting support now from other uh, GOP governors across the country. And I hope that the Biden administration wakes up and recognizes your polling numbers are tanking. Because it's recognized by people all across our country what a horrendous job that you have done on the border, how you've let all of these people in, 10 million, 100,000 um, fentanyl deaths, and you've basically created a war scenario at our southern border. Yeah, and it seems like the the only reason they seem to, and the only reason they seem to even want to care about it now is they're seeing the polls. Uh, mm-hmm. Judge Weinberg. 
Congresswoman, good to talk to you again. I will tell you, I think Governor Abbott has a very strong constitutional argument under Article 4 of the United States Constitution. There is an invasion going on. There's an affirmative obligation of the federal government to protect Texas. And Abbott is not talking out of his hat. He's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree 100 percent. And these are not this is not like new laws that the state of Texas is creating. These are federal laws that the federal government is refusing to enforce. They exist for a reason, and you're seeing just through executive action them completely overriding the laws that Congress has created. It is, it's abysmal, it's dangerous, and we're seeing as a result what's happening in our communities across, the, across Africa. Um, you know, Congresswoman, describe what's going on also with the razor wire, because he put razor wire up around this park, which it, it, it makes sense. He's trying to do something. They try, They put the buoys up, as you guys know, down there in Texas. Then the federal government fought that. The Biden administration fought that. Then they put the razor wire. Um, they're now trying to get them to cut the razor wire. And Governor Abbott says, no way. I'm not cutting the wire. Well, not only is he saying no way, he's doubling down. And he's got people down there putting up more razor wire. And good on him for doing that. Because we're seeing what's happening. I mean, these all, all the Biden administration is doing is basically acting as a partner to these murderous cartels that are bringing people, bringing um, drugs into our country illegally. We have seen an entirely brand new era of narco slavery in our country. These people are being brought in to basically have to be slave labor, child labor and sex slaves. And the Obama administration is standing by and actually partnering with them. When you when you consider how they logistically are moving them throughout the country under the, the Trump administration, you know, um, their job was very clear: secure the border, secure the border, have people who are applying for asylum remain in Mexico and deport illegal immigrants. It was very clear. We now see a, an administration who has completely flipped on the lid the policies that were working. And they're now asking for billions of dollars more money, but not to secure the border, but in fact to more efficiently bring people into this country illegally. And, and, and as a result, you're seeing crimes go up in, 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 in cities around the country. You are seeing increased fentanyl deaths, increased drug crime. Um, and people are getting sick of it. They completely recognize it. And why you've got you know the administration and the media, you know, more than willing to to play with them and and placate and talk about oh, there's no nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Again, the poll numbers would show people recognize the damage that's being done and they want it stopped. And, and Congresswoman, uh, we had uh, Robert Unanaway, one of your constituents. He lives in uh, Texas uh, from Goya Foods the other day, and he's very much concerned about the eighty five thousand kids that came over the borders. And then disappeared. Well, that's exactly no idea where these kids have gone. You know, under the Trump administration, one of the things that they wanted to do is we saw so many children being brought here from people who claimed to be their family members, claimed to be their 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 uh, parents that weren't. That they actually started taking DNA checks, and they knew when the kids came through where they were going. Under the Biden administration, we have no clue. And they are just letting them out in the country. They are sending them, you know, by, by plane. They're sending them by bus because they've got a, a, somebody who claims, again, to be a family member or a phone number. And we have no idea what's happened to these 85,000 kids. But we do have evidence that many of them are being used, again, for child for child labor and sex trafficking. And you know, the thing is, we don't hear anything from the Biden administration about that. I nothing, mean, I mean, if you care about kids, you're going to say, where the heck are these kids? And And that is an old number. There's probably even more that have come in. 
It, it is so, so frightening and it is just so, so scary. Um, so what do you, what are you predicting that gonna happen in the next 24 hours? Kind of give us the lowdown of where you think things are headed. I think, I think Texas is gonna hold its ground. Um, I really do. I, I think that's evident by the fact that they're putting up more razor wire down at the border um, because they're hearing from, you know, Texas uh, citizens that, that are looking at this and you know, Texas residents. That don't who who want is to, the commander in chief of the Texas Nas- National Guard? Uh, well, it should be. It should be the governor. But what you no, see well, is governor, the Yes, but who is under the governor? Him? It's the governor. It's the governor. No, 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 please. Who is the, the general in charge? I don't understand the question. Are you the, asking for a name? There's a general. Yeah, whatever the general is, is in charge of the National Guard. When when Biden sends him a, a letter saying, you now report to me, what yeah. is the general going to do? <laughs> yeah, uh, rip it up yeah, exactly. or use it uh, use it as toilet paper? <laughs> Between a rock and a hard place. It, it, you know, right now what we're seeing is 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 the governor is in charge. Um, and, and he has doubled down that he's going to protect Texas citizens, and he's going to protect the rest of the country. And again, you're seeing governors from across the country that are supporting him on that. And if, if Biden is going to fight that, and, and basically what he has been doing for the last three years, that he cares more about the illegal immigrants coming in than he does about our own citizens, that's going to be a pure battle he's going to have to fight. Constitutional fight. Yep. Constitu- yeah. Keep us posted. Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Hi, you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Who do we have now, Rita? Now we have KT McFarland, who, of course, was in the National Security Council there with President Trump. And KT, uh, we were talking about the border. Um, also, this is stunning that the U.S., there's a report, KT, that the U.S. secretly alerted Iran, a, a terrorist regime, ahead of the ISIS terrorist attack that took place. Remember what that was, that ceremony where they were honoring Soleimani and all those people were killed, but that this administration secretly tipped off a terrorist regime about an attack? This except, is unheard except of. Except the Iranians didn't believe them. They don't even believe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> no, even worse, that the Iranians are blaming us, that, that somehow we were in charge, we were responsible for the attack, at least some of the Iranian hardliners. So what this was was that the United States intelligence picked up from the monitoring we're doing of ISIS in Afghanistan, that we picked up that there was going to be an attack, a mass casualty attack on Iran on the anniversary of the death of of Soleimani, the man, the terrorist guy that Trump had taken out, that we warned Iran, you better watch out, there's going to be a terrorist attack that ISIS is going to do on you. So Iran, A, didn't believe them, didn't take any precautions, and B, when the obvious happened, where there was a mass casualty attack, I think 80-some people died, but then some Iranian hardliners said, aha, ISIS wouldn't have done that. They did that with the United States. So this was an American attack. So here we are trying to warn them, and then they blame us for the attack. But it brings to, to the whole point of, wait a minute, who, whose side are we on here? Do you think Iran is repaying us? With this good deed that we did, are they warning us about attacks on American ships in the Red Sea? No, they're not. So I think we need to get our priorities straight. Who's our friend? Who's our enemy? And Iran is not our friend. Governor uh, Patterson? KT, this sort of we never quite get mad at Iran thing has been going on for about 15 years, it seems. And and what generates it? In other words, what are people thinking about when they – continuously do the same thing and get the same bad results. Yeah, so the thing is that both administrations, Republicans and Democrats, 
not President Trump, but the other Republican administrations have been looking for Iranian moderates. They think, well, if we can make deals with them, we can moderate Iran's behavior. And it's never worked. It didn't work in the Reagan administration. It didn't work in the Carter administration. It didn't work in the Obama administration. It's certainly not working now. If anything, Iran has stuck to its guns. Iran has said from the very beginning of the Islamic Revolution in Iran in 1979, they say we have two objectives. Get America out of the Middle East and destroy Israel and kill Jews. And they have not varied from that in the in those um, 45 years. They've, that's been their goal, and it continues to be their goal, no matter what we do. Judge Weinberg? KT, good to talk to you again. Tomorrow, there's Thank supposed you. to be a ruling from the International Court of Justice about these allegations by South Africa against Israel that Israel, the victim of the terrorist attack, is somehow engaged in genocide. What's your thoughts? Yeah, so this is the international community turned very quickly against Israel. You know, we all saw the horrible attacks that, that Hamas did on Israel, that that lasted for about a week. And then the world public opinion, including a lot of these international organizations, turns against Israel, that they blame Israel. It's now Israel's fault that those attacks happened. And in fact, a lot of them are denying those attacks ever happened. So this is the, this is the t- difficulty Israel has operating in, in the world. Not just in the Middle East do they have people who are their enemies, but all around the world. The anti-Semitism, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in Asia, is alive and well. That's why it's so important that the United States remains with Israel and lets Israel finish the job of destroying Hamas. Are you are you confident too that um, that something's going to happen, KT, soon? Because we I just saw recently um, the CIA director Bill Burns is on his way over there uh, to Israel to try to now see if they can get some sort of a deal. Um, with the obviously the remaining hostages. And then we're still hearing this horrible rhetoric from Hamas officials. There was one who just came out recently saying what happened on October 7th is a scaled down model of what's to come. I mean, this is really scary stuff still. Yeah, Iran doesn't want to deal. Uh, and its proxies, um, Hamas, they don't want to deal. So the pressure is that the United States government is now pressuring Israel to concede to whatever um, Hamas's demands are. Uh, the question is, how long will the Biden administration remain true to Israel? How long will they? And it's, it's significant that they're sending the CIA guy, the American intelligence community to Israel, because that's one of the main things we do for Israel, not just give them weapons, but we share intelligence with them. Well, they didn't do too well on October 7th, either side. And, uh, you know, KT, me and you before we, we discussed the reason that Saudi Arabia uh you know, reactivated ISIS to attack Tehran is because uh, Biden would not let uh, Israel do it. That's right. And the question that we're all going to be looking at, the world is going to be looking at in the coming days, weeks, months, is is Iran going to say, well, because of all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, we now need nuclear weapons. And are they going to, in fact, declare that they are a nuclear weapons state? Because if they do, then all the countries in the Middle East, they'll all want nukes. The Saudi, Iran has built their own nukes from scratch. The Saudis, well, they'll say, well, if Iran has them, we need them. And the Saudis, they'll go buy them. They'll buy them from Pakistan. And then Turkey will say, well, we need nukes, too. And then you're going to have a nuclear arms race in the Middle East, which is a horrifying thing to come. KT, last question. How many countries have to be involved before we call it a world war? Well, you, that's a good I question. think we're there. Yeah, yeah. We're there. I mean, we've got a lot of potential, right? We have Europe, we have the Middle East, we have Asia. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so stuff. much, KT. KT, thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, coming up, John, we have Greg Jarrett, a Fox News legal analyst. Trump was in court today. Fanny Willis, uh, Peter Navarro. There is so much to talk about. And Peter Navarro, I understand, is going to come on our show. We can't wait. Okay. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Huge things happening in the courtrooms all over the place. And, and John, you mentioned Peter Navarro, of course, uh, the former Trump White House advisor. Contempt of Congress. You think it kind of goes back, of course, all the Hunter uh, things that are happening, the theatrics there. He didn't want to testify before the January 6th committee because he said it was a bumpkiss committee. And, and we found out it was a bumpkiss. And boy, was he right. And now, he, guess what? He, but he got sentenced to four months in prison uh, today. So uh, where is the justice? Joining us to talk about all of this and so much more today is Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Uh, Greg, first of all, your thoughts about this whole thing with Peter Navarro. Well, I find it troubling that uh, Navarro was not allowed to present uh, before the court and the jury this principal defense, that he had a good faith belief that Donald Trump had invoked executive privilege, which prevented him from divulging anything before uh, Congress. Uh, That was uh, never litigated, and it's on appeal. Uh, so, you know, Navarro is looking at four months behind bars, but I think the appellate process may get in the way of that. You know, in the middle of all that, um, there was a uh, Hunter deposition, not him. He's coming up in February, but I'm sure you saw this, Greg Jarrett. Um, his uh, ex-Chinese business partner today testified uh, with the Chinese energy company. Talk about why that's a big deal. And there was a report, um, we were just talking about this the other day, that it turned out the the sugar brother, you know, that's the Kevin Morris guy who's been funding uh, Biden, that he gave up. Uh, no, he got no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave Hunter up his gave, money, right, right. right. I, he gave he gave five million dollars, right? Said a loan, yeah, yeah, five or six is a loan, right? And then in return, he gets Hunter's stake in this Chinese energy company. That might be worth thirty, forty. Uh, yeah, at That's least, a good right? Deal. Can I get a deal like that? <laughs> what do you think, Ed? Can we get a deal like that? Uh, you're assuming the money's going to flow now. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> your thoughts, there. Greg Jarrett. Your thoughts. <laughs> Well, first things first, um, the person who testified behind closed doors for a deposition today is Mervyn Yan, uh, who was intimately involved in one of the major uh, influence peddling schemes of the Chinese energy company, CEFC. Uh, and you'll recall, uh, importantly, that you know Hunter Biden sent an email to the head of CEFC saying, uh, I'm I'm sitting here with my dad, and you must pay us the $10 million promised. And if you don't, uh, there'll be consequences. So I think Yan is the kind of person who could shed light 
on that particular aspect of the influence peddling scheme. And by the way, after that email was sent and received, uh, magically $5 million flowed into a Hunter Biden uh, bank account days later, and 40000 of that money ended up in Joe Biden's bank account, although uh, he said, oh, gee, that was repayment of a loan. Yeah, right. they, tomorrow, they seem to keep having that. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, tomorrow, another Hunter Biden business associate, who I think is even more important, Rob Walker, is going to appear uh, for his testimony behind closed doors in a deposition. Walker is the guy who knows where the money goes and for what reasons and from whom. So wait and see what we find out. Um, also, uh, Fannie Willis, there was an update today on that. Uh, they had at least a hearing. It looks like they're trying to get to the bottom of uh, the White House visits. Yeah, you know, neither Fannie Willis nor her lover, uh, Nathan Wade, have denied the affair. They can't. There's too much documentary evidence proving it. Um, it is extremely improper and egregiously unethical. And, you know, the County Board of Commissioners has launched an investigation uh, to see whether Willis uh, misappropriated public funds and committed honest services fraud. The legislature in Georgia also has a separate investigation. She's in a load of trouble. And I think this whole thing demands her removal from the case. Uh, Her actions may have so tainted the entire prosecution that the only proper remedy is to transfer it out and away from the district attorney's office, perhaps give it to the state AG. They'll re-examine it. If they do, they'll say this is legally unsound and dismiss the case. Um, Go ahead, Judge Weinberg. Greg, I want to know, as we've discussed before, I want to know about the conversations in two days, eight hours at a clip between this Wade character and White House staff and White House counsel. That troubles me deeply. What say you? Oh, it, it is troubling that Nathan Wade, uh, her lover, tra- traveled twice to D.C. for meetings in the White House, eight hours each. Now, either he's milking Fulton County uh, with, you know, phony hours. No, lawyers um, won't or, do that. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> Wait a minute. We got a couple in studio here. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> Look, that, that puts a lie to Fannie Willis's earlier statements that her prosecution of Trump was never discussed or coordinated with his election opponent, Joe Biden, and his allies. Um, it's simply untrue. We, I mean, that just defies common sense. We, we know there's too much evidence uh, to the contrary. And real quick before we let you go, Greg, uh, Trump testified today in the E. Jean Carroll case. This was the second defamation. Uh, give us uh, any of the highlights on that. Well, you know, I'd like to hear from Judge Weinberg on this. I find it so troubling that if somebody's accused of something uh, in a court of law and they stand outside and say, I didn't do this, I'm innocent, that that's somehow defamation. Judge, what do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I do not believe that's defamation. And by the way, she's she's made herself also a public figure. Yes, she absolutely has. So, you know, this, this is, you know... This is one of those cases, but I think, frankly, it doesn't affect any uh, voters' judgment on this. This is sort of baked in the cake. All right. Well, Greg, thank you very much. And uh, Greg's awesome new book is The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents uh, as we stand here to protect the Constitution. Thank you very much, Greg. My pleasure. Thanks, Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. And, And Rita, I think we have some hot news. 
It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you just heard on Cats and Cosby with Greg Jarrett a few seconds ago, closing arguments are expected now tomorrow in former President Trump's second defamation trial. Today, a New York City judge tossed one of Trump's senior advisors, by the way, from the courtroom after the man's cell phone rang. Trump did provide testimony briefly before the defense rested its case. Also, Alabama is set to make history today. Death row inmate Kenneth Eugene Smith will be executed using nitrogen hypoxia. That method has never been used previously. Smith was sentenced to death after being convicted in 1988 in a murder-for-hire case. He survived a previous execution attempt in 2022 when officials couldn't get a vein for the IV and failed to deliver that lethal injection. And also on some economic news and aviation news, Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes can once again fly. The FAA completed its safety review following the in-flight blown Alaska Airlines door plug. Remember that? That was so scary. Well, the FAA accompanied the ruling a little bit ago with a warning saying that the incident must never happen again. And those are your Goya hot top stories of the day and, with the best beans ever, John. And I, I tell you every day how good those beans are. They are good and nutritious and delicious, everybody. I add them. You know what I do when I have soup? I add some Goya beans in them. Ooh, that's and a good that, idea. And that gives you a better soup. Well, and you know what's even better? We love Bob Unanway because he's such yes. a great American. A so great we appreciate him, Tells too. great jokes, too. He does. He actually has some good ones. Some of them we All can right. say on the air. Some we can't. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's take a break. And when we come back. We're going to talk oh, with James Galliano. The FBI. What the heck is going on with the FBI? There's been some accusations. Miranda Devine uh, has interesting stories. And look, let's get down to the truth. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby, and we're going to be talking in a moment with James Galliano, who was a senior agent there at the FBI. And I understand he is joining us now. Uh, James, first off, this is stunning. Uh, there was a report that just came out in the New York Post with Miranda Devine about these, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, these DEI requirements, uh, that are pushing the FBI to have quotas. I, I mean, shouldn't they just be the best, uh, you know, crime fighting, uh, agency in the country as opposed to, uh, this is frightening. It's like, you know, you go in for a surgery. I'm not thinking, you know, what, does it fit a DEI criteria? I just want them to be good. Your thoughts on this. Rita, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I read Miranda Devine's column this morning, and, and I'd heard these stories before. I lived some of them because I retired in 2016 when this, when this madness first began. But this is wholly infuriating. I've argued for a long time that the rot was at the top, that we needed to depoliticize the folks at the top of the bureau. The seventh floor, as you guys spoke about earlier at, at FBI headquarters on, on Pennsylvania Avenue. But it's beyond that. I don't blame every man and woman who raises their hand, swears their fealty to the Constitution and to become an FBI agent. It's not them. But it is the manner in which these folks are being recruited and the manner in which they are being attracted to the FBI. 
I reached out to the FBI today and I spoke to somebody in, in the public affairs office and the FBI re- released a statement. And it was it was almost wholly, again, infuriating. And one of the things that they said is they knocked the column down and they said, you know, random and anonymous allegations devoid of any supporting data or other ab- evidence cannot change the facts. The FBI continues to recruit the best and brightest candidates from all walks of life. And year over year, only a small percentage of applicants ultimately make it through a difficult process to become a special agent. Yes, I agree with that. But here's where they go off the rails. They start to crow about what they're attracting. And this is where it's a self-inflicted wound. They brag about the fact that the number of new agents with advanced degrees has swelled to nearly 40% of each agent class. Now, you would think that would be a good thing. But did you watch what just happened at Harvard with Dr. Claudine Gay? Did you watch what happened at Penn and at MIT? And, and since the group think that goes on there, that is where we are attracting our candidates now. It's a different time. And becoming smarter doesn't necessarily make you a better agent if you come in with an ideological bent that's counter to following the facts. Yeah, and what does that mean? Um, also, just to everybody listening out there for in terms of safety and protection and the FBI, because they're the foremost agency in terms of protecting us. If you read Miranda Devine's co- column, which I know you folks did, and I hope your listeners will, he talked about a number of folks that had to speak anonymously because you've seen what's happened to some of the recent FBI whistleblowers and the way they're dismissed in the media and the way they've been fired or let go or forced to retire, forced to resign from the FBI. And what they did was they, they canvassed supervisors, they canvassed people at FBI headquarters, and they canvassed applicant recruitment coordinators. And what they asked them was, can you give us something to um, help us understand how DEI is working? What each of them said, they provided information. And again, people will argue, well, Jimmy, that's not really systemic. It's just episodic. But it's time after time, example after example, that proves that people are being kept in the FBI. People are making it through Quantico, through the FBI's academy, what used to be arduous selection candidate process. And they're being put in the FBI and kept in the FBI when they can't string together two coherent English sentences, when they're 50 or 60 pounds overweight, they can't make the marksmanship requirements, and we're keeping them in because we have to keep our quota numbers, or excuse me, our diversity numbers where they need to be. Yeah, that's scary stuff. Uh, Judge Weinberg, your thoughts about all this. Wow. So, Agent, how do we turn this around? If this has become the culture and this is being imposed by the seventh floor, how do we turn this around to make our country safe again? Judge, we stop with this big push that we have to recruit people from the Ivy League. Look, I am as impressed as anybody um, to, to find out somebody graduated from Harvard or Yale or places like that. The bottom line is in Harvard's last applicant class, the kids that got admitted to Harvard, this is the problem with diversity. Yes, they make up a broad swath of the American population in regards to race, ethnicity, and and sexual orientation. That should be applauded. But why was the last class that was admitted 67% cued to the ideological bent that they were either a registered Democrat or had progressive liberal views? 8% 
said they were registered Republicans or had conservative views. There's the problem. You're recruiting from places like that. You're putting up all these, you know, campus outreach efforts out there to get these people because you're thinking they're the best and the brightest instead of doing what we've done before, which is just get somebody that can do the job. Get somebody that follows the facts bereft of fear or favor, doesn't put their finger on the scale and doesn't think they're smarter than the Constitution and the law. Yeah, absolutely. One thousand percent. Well, I'm glad that you are yes. fighting the good fight, uh, Agent jo- Galliano, James yeah, Galliano. Thank James. you. Will do. Thanks Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, so, you much. so much. Wow, that is really concerning. That is something concerning. Yes. Uh, let's go right now. I think we have Steve Moore on, one of the country's leading economists. Uh, Steve, are you there? I am here. And he's on every Saturday, more money. And we re- we're, we're rejiggling his show, so he'll, he's going to have know, more, more. He's going to have more, 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 more money. More, more money. We're going to have more, more money. More, more money. More time for more money. That's good. Everybody and, wants uh, more. Steve? But i got to tell you guys, yeah. I've been chomping at the bit to talk to you guys because, you know, we got this uh, monster GDP report, uh, 3.3% growth in the fourth quarter. But I want to tell you, uh, that's the good news. You want to know what the bad news is? No. <laughs> we gotta go. Give it to us anyway. Give, give it to us anyway. No, but uh, here I, I'm gonna because I know uh, the Rita wants to hear the bad news, which is that uh, here's, here's your here's your quiz question for the day. What sector of the economy over the last six quarters do you think has grown the fastest, Rita? Oh, government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Bureaucracy was my answer. Government, sorry. Well, if you read Steve's column every day like I do, you know the answer. And and New York was a lead in that, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, What's wrong with this picture? You've got uh, an economy that's growing, but the sector that, you know, the part of the economy that's growing is government. Wait a minute. They're running a $2 trillion uh, annual deficit. We should be shrinking the government, right? What do they produce produce in terms of the economy, Steve? Pardon me? What do they produce in terms of the economy? We have more government you know, a workers. Lot of rule, rules, regulations, bureaucrats, taxes, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I find that to be problematic. You know, we right. need robust, as Larry Kudlow would say, we need robust private sector free market capitalism with a lot of investment going on in our future. Instead, we're getting a lot of windmills and solar yeah. panels and electric vehicles that stall out in the middle of the winter. And people are, you know, the other thing I've got to say, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for the economy, John. I know you do. This is a great, you know, entrepreneurial economy. But we well, it closed. The stock market closed over thirty-eight thousand. I know it's great. Was that a fix? Although, although I'm not trying to be a downer here, but you know, the, the adjusted for inflation, the the stock market is up by eight percent since uh, Biden came into office. You know how much it was up when uh, Trump was president after his first three years? Thirty-five percent. So. You know, still, still. I mean, uh, there's a lot of problems, and the biggest problem. Does that mean John, if Trump gets re- reelected, it'll be forty-five thousand? Yeah, I think we might be, especially if uh, Larry Kudlow is the chief economist. And John, we want. Here's my thing, Rita. I would like John Katsimatidis to be the Commerce Secretary of the United States. I don't oh. Know. Can, huh? can, 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 can Red Apple spare me or what? No, I don't no, know, you guys. No. Should we let him on the show? No. Cats and Crosby can't Cats, Crosby, and Commerce. Okay. Steve, <laughs> I want you to talk about this ExxonMobil lawsuit against these radical investment groups. 
Oh, this is a good story. So, you know, the, you get these radical groups that buy a few shares, the stock of a company, and then they go to the shareholder meetings and they bring up these hostile resolutions. And what these, what these groups are doing is they're, they're bringing up resolutions. You ready for this, John and Rita? They, they want to, uh, get Exxon and, and Exxon Mobil and other oil and gas companies to stop producing oil and gas. Well, gee, how are they going to make money if they're not producing the one thing that they're in business to do? And by the way, how are we going to run our economy if, uh, if we're not producing oil and gas in this country, John? I mean, as you know, 80% of our energy comes from fossil fuels. What, are we going to turn the taps off? Yeah, it, it, and it, crazy. it is crazy. crazy. And it seems so anti-American, some of these policies right now, well, given everything going on. The, the, the Biden today, President Biden has halted all the, uh, what was it? Uh, liquid nat- liquid, liquid natural, natural gas. Natural gas. Yes. The LNG. Right. Yeah. How another do do another brilliant idea. Yeah. Well, well it, it was going to affect double. Iran's profits, so she, that's why he held it off. Yeah, yeah God forbid, right? <laughs> God forbid yeah, he does anything that doesn't help Iran. Right. It's bad for national security. It's bad for economy. And it's bad for the environment because LNG, natural gas is a clean burning fuel. It's the reason we're cleaning up the environment. John, I'm for the two ends. I'm for natural gas and nuclear power. And I like oil. I like everything we got. And we should be producing every single barrel of oil and every single cubic uh, metric cubic metric of, of natural gas. And let's be energy independent again like we were under Donald J. Trump. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Before we let you go, Steve, also, uh, oh, Biden. Yeah, I want to know if you like yeah. my idea of John Casamatidis being the next Commerce Secretary of the United States. Yeah, only if he can call in and still do the show. I, 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 did you hear what I said? I said, I said we should call it Katz, Cosby, and Commerce Secretary. Same with the, he can be all these. Steve, before we let you go, anything new on uh, the EV situation? Yeah, Biden vetoed. Oh, Did you see this? He vetoed a bill that actually uh, essentially helps China. Yeah, the, the batteries are made in China. Everything's made in China. By the way, why are the United Auto Workers endorsing Biden when he's shipping all the auto jobs to China, John? No idea. Oh, I, I can answer that question. <laughs> because because the leadership of the union is being taken care of, and they don't care about the workers. That's why. Exactly. Because exactly. if you build more electric cars in Detroit, I, I, I use the word Detroit as the... Automobile industry. Yeah, symbolic, yeah. If you build more electric cars in Detroit, it'll be half, half the union membership. Of so course. What and, the and heck, by the way, what John, the hell John, is the UAW doing endorsing, endorsing yeah, uh, Biden? Crazy. I don't understand. I, I, well, the workers should speak place, out. I the workers will vote for buy Trump. A lot of electric cars. They're not going to buy a lot of electric cars in Chicago. Do you see what happened during the the, the freeze? Everybody's cars <laughs> yeah. fell out. Couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> At least they were consistent, you know. Yeah. Uh, Steve Moore, thank you very much. From more, 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 more money, we appreciate it. And uh, and of course, everybody tune in on Saturday. Thank you so much. Well, an expanded Steve. show. <laughs> thank you, you, Mr. Commerce Secretary. Um, and when we come back, we have some breaking news yes. from uh, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis about. Migrant shelters in Stand area. by for breaking news. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby with some big breaking news about the migrant shelters in our area is Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis of New York. Uh, Congresswoman, fill us in. Well, Rita, uh, once again on Staten Island, we were successful in stopping a, a migrant shelter from coming to our community. Um, today, we just learned a little while ago that 
um, Canterbury Houses, which is a senior residence. The plans to house migrants there has been stopped. Uh, I'm very proud to have led that effort with my colleagues on Staten Island uh, because this is a senior residence of 62 years and older. Uh, They were going to take away the community room and house about 50 young men uh, who are migrants in their community room, taking away their space that they use to interact with each other, uh, to play bingo, to have lunch. And that was wrong. And not only was it wrong, but it was a violation of a state that's leased with the state. It's a violation of building codes, of fire codes. And so we sent a letter um, letting them know this. And we just learned that they decided to pull that plan. So unfortunately, we have to fight uh, you know, each and every day, uh, we had to do the lawsuit with St. John's Villa with uh, Borough President Vito Pacello. But uh, little by little, we're we're going after these facilities that are being taken away from our citizens. Uh, and it's wrong and it has to stop. Uh, Governor Patterson. Congresswoman, who led the attempt, the attempt to put the facility there in the first place? I mean, it sounded like something if it was in a meeting, someone should have said, no, we can't do that. Yes, yeah, so it was a uh, a deal that was behind the scenes between uh, St. John's Episcopal Church and the city of New York. Uh, in fact, the city had denied that they were even having any conversations uh, about this, and then we were able to find out that indeed uh, they were, and, and there was a community meeting with the residents, and the residents obviously were very concerned. They they see what's happening at so many other uh, facilities across the city. They've, there have been stabbings, assaults domestic violence, robberies. Uh, So they were concerned about unvetted individuals uh, being put in their senior residence, Um, you know, and and, uh, rightfully so. And so we got wind of it, and we were able to do the research, finding out exactly where they were going to put it, and then make the legal arguments that this cannot happen. Uh, And thankfully, we were able to... You know, and I give I give the church somewhat of a credit for for admitting that legally they were could not move forward. Um, unfortunately, so many other bad actors in our community uh, have chosen to jam it down our throats, like the senior residents uh, in South Beach, run by Homes for the Homeless, that kicked senior citizens out. They kicked a veteran veterans out, and then they turned around and entered a twenty eight million dollar contract with the city to house migrants there. That it was a terrible thing that they did to the veterans and the seniors. Uh, and they did it for, look, look at these lucrative contracts that the city is offering to these building owners. It makes it difficult for anyone trying to operate affordable housing or senior housing or veterans housing or housing for the developmentally disabled to compete uh, for that land and that property. Judge Weinberg. Congresswoman, it's good to talk to you again. My problem is that this is a cost that's forced on all the, the cities and communities across the country because of the failure of the Biden administration to close the border and force the immigration laws. And now we're about to have a constitutional crisis in Texas where Governor Abbott is not backing down. What are your thoughts on this? What can Congress do? Yeah, look, the, the governor is doing whatever he, he thinks he can do to try to help the situation. He's seen 10 million people roughly come through his state. There's all sorts of problems. And what we're feeling here is terrible. But I think it's a fraction of what some of these southern states that are along the border are feeling. And this is a result of President Biden. Make no mistake about it. He came in on day one and, and, inst- and put in place executive orders that, uh, undid the policies of the Trump administration. He refuses to enforce the law that says you have to apply for asylum in the next safe country. And the worst part of it is 
that everybody that's coming through the, the border, um, they are paying the drug cartels thousands of dollars to get smuggled across the border. So as innocent as the mayor and everyone wants to make it sound that these people are, they're not. They paid thousands of dollars to cartels to be smuggled here, and they're cutting the line. More than half of them, by the way, have illegitimate asylum cases. They actually eventually get denied in court. But in the meantime, they're clogging up the legal system. And yesterday I met with a, uh, a, a asylum seeker from Belarus who has been here legally, has done everything right. She's been here since 2017, and her court date is now getting pushed further. Why? Because the president put a last-in-first-out approach so these individuals who are being smuggled over the border get their court cases heard first. They're putting them before the people who did everything right and have been waiting patiently. That is backwards. And the people need to know this because I know a lot of people out there feel like this is an issue of being anti-immigrant. It has nothing to do with being anti-immigrant. By, by the way, immigration, did, did, you see, um, the right way. did you see Congresswoman in Chicago? There are African-American residents that are actually suing the city now saying they feel like they're getting, you know, a backseat to the migrants. They're like, why, do, why are we not getting some of these benefits? Why are not some of the homeless veterans? There was actually a Chicago councilman who yeah. said, uh, what are, uh, are the residents that want to put them in their homes? Yeah, I, I mean, is that what we're getting at? There's yeah. a sign-up list. Yes, so the sign last up. time we did that in New York, <laughs> one of those migrants murdered a home. Yeah, I mean, yeah, homes. who wants to have them in their home? They're not vetted. Uh, where, I mean, this is... We are at such a breaking point. Do you see that happening in New York where maybe there may be some suits like that? I do. I do. Yesterday I met with uh, the Tenant Association presidents of New York City housing uh, apartments in my district, right? These are public housing. These are people who pay rent and they live in public housing. Uh, and the city is their landlord. And they have, you know, a lot of conditions that need to be addressed that are inhumane in these public developments across our city. And the city keeps telling them they have no money. Why don't they have money? Because they're spending it on these migrant encampments. Yeah. Well, my, my, pilot, my pilot, Roger, says the White House has a lot of extra room. Send them there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the Naval Observatory, the VP's place is pretty yeah, big, too. There's even more room. You can take Hunter's room. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for the big Thank breaking you. news scoop, too. And you know what we Keep all stand for, Nicole? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.